Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. Welcome back to another episode of In the Landscape. We're back. We're back. We are not in the landscape. We are in the studio at the moment. Uh, It's dark and cold outside. We've had a little bit of a cold front come through. And yeah, some wild winter weather. Mm -hmm. But those thunderstorms, those are something. So I'm your host, Kate Sadler, and I'm here with my co-host, Charles Sadler. How's it going, Charles? Good to be here. It is good to be here. We are going to just talk through another topic of garden care, garden design. We're sort of modeling it after. So we'll be honest, as a podcast, we do check out other podcasts. Of course, um, get inspired. I love the medium. Love it, love it. And so we can't help but notice in our category, for example, on Apple iTunes, we're under, what is it? A leisure. leisure. And then home and garden. Correct, right. And so we're kind of in the same category as several really fantastic garden plant-based <laughs> programs. Mm-hmm. And then there are others. The home ones often revolve around like DIY, home repair. Those are a lot of fun. Always really excellent stuff out there. It's kind of exciting to be a part of that community mm-hmm. um, in our own small way. Right. And one of the themes that comes up a lot in home, especially, is this concept of decluttering, sort of like simplifying, making space for I don't know, breathing. There's the, it may even be copyrighted. There's the lovely woman from Japan who has a method that that she uses. I'm not even going to say her name because I don't, I don't know how that works on podcasts if if it's trademarked. Well, she even says like, does the item bring you joy? Yes. Which is a pretty, it's like a, things that are childlike or childlike are often very effective, you know, very simple. So I'm sure our listeners know who we mean and... (laughs) That's her brand. So we'll we'll keep that in her court. But the concept being that there is, I think, some emotional relief to this idea of decluttering. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we would add well, to the conversation. And we're in the new year. People mm. talk about, you know, it's a fresh start. It's it's a chance to let things go, to invite mm-hmm. new things in. And especially if uh, we conceive of the new year in the Northern Hemisphere as being, you know, winter time. So it might be a time to kind of think the landscape in in many ways is decluttered itself. It's <laughs> so like dropped its leaves. Dropped its leaves. <laughs> the grass is dead. It's under snow. It's doing well dormant, I suppose. I shouldn't, right. I shouldn't assume it's gone for good. So, you know, nature does it. It's it's highly recommended in the home. And so we thought we'd talk about this process in the landscape and see if there are some rules of thumb that maybe we can coin for how you might declutter your landscape. And so like another term would be would be simplifying. Mm, simplify, yes. Although I will say you as a gardener or landscape designer in your own space there is sort of a critical mass of plants, it seems, that, mm. that when you're designing, and I've seen your designs, you know, a lot goes in so that the space looks full relatively quickly. Oh, right. And that's not to say every, you know, there is still open space that you're creating, but does that practice in the near term, so as you're putting in the landscape, does that create a problem down the road? Are you going to have to start subtracting from that? And is it just a balance over time? Well, with a 
well-designed space, I wouldn't say it would need to be decluttered. What might happen, there'd be plants that would be more vigorous that might need to be removed or thinned out or reduced. It's funny because that reminds me of another process of decluttering that actually happens organically in the landscape, which you've pointed out. Trees in a forest have almost a pruned aspect to them. And it's really that they are, and I don't quite know what the physiological mechanism is for them to do this, but they almost self-prune. Things don't get dense in a really healthy kind of natural environment. Oh, right. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a couple of terms that come to mind. There's one that's pretty clever. That's, I remember researching this. It's called mutual avoidance. So it's like a non-compete with your neighbor. It's saying, <laughs> or the, there's the, uh, like the common green concept, which comes from like the Boston green in Washington and Boston, <laughs> <laughs> that if we're all sharing that space to graze our sheep, if we all respect that and don't overgraze, then we'll all benefit. And so this mutual avoidance is two trees. Now, not some trees do it, some don't. But you can see when you look up, if you're in the forest and you look up at the canopy, and there'll be all different trees, maybe different species, or it could be the same species, but the, the branches at the top of the tree, they're not overlapping. They, they're avoiding each other. But it, it, it could get quite close. And there's also another term, competitive suppression. So it's the trees are all competing for sunlight. And so their growth is suppressed, like in a marketplace that there's four people selling green vegetables. And so they're moderating each other's competition. If there was just one person to be a monopoly and then the pride, they could charge whatever they want. And so when you plant, let's say you plant a beautiful beech tree in the middle of the lawn, there's no competition. So it's, it's not exactly a, a monopoly, but any defects of that plant crossing branches, it's going to encourage the tree is going to just take off. Any defects are going to be exacerbated. So you have to provide the pruning, the thinning, the decluttering, as it were, right. that organically happens in nature. And, and maybe that's why it is a satisfying process that ultimately the accumulation of too much is sort of oppressive in a way. Correct. Um, so that's that's good to know. And there's also the the hand thinning that we do. So we're talking about mm -hmm. individual plants at the moment, not just the larger design. So there is almost a way of decluttering the individual shrub or plant. Oh, right. And there's a term I like to use, articulation. Mm -hmm. So say we've got an evergreen backdrop of broadleaf evergreens. You have mountain laurels, rhododendrons, andromedas. So those on their own, and that's like the garden's been there for a dozen years. The plants have done pretty well. They have all grown together and it looks, it's not legible. It looks a little bit like a big green blob. So by very sensitively pruning it, you are separating the plants, but almost imperceptibly. So the plants, there's air, maybe there's an inch or two between the plants. So from a distance, it still has a beautiful architectural shape. You can differentiate, oh, that's where the rhododendron starts. Oh, that's where the skip laurel starts. Yeah, I saw you do that once. My sister's yard out in Oregon, and there was like a purple smoke bush and some fruit trees. It's beautiful. Oh, right. and you were actually doing, it was almost like a wedding gift because you were doing some pruning. And you did this practice, and it really is lovely. The way things are just kind of slightly set off from each mm. other. 
just gives them the space to kind of be more, more themselves instead of this, you know, bleeding together of forms. Right. Really nice to see. But your eye really sees a silhouette. So if you can't find the edge of something, if we were surviving in nature and there were wild animals, the ability to see a form, it's like life or death. So I think mm. that may trickle them from, <laughs> from some of the psychological uh, landscape research, I mean, the, the readings I've done. So it's being able to articulate where something begins and ends. It does seem to be satisfying. So I wonder about like edging and mulching, if that's a similar, because it's not a style that suits everyone, you know, a nice ground cover, maybe more to your taste. But I do think that sense of having an edge is, that's something I can relate to as a Mm non-expert, that there is, it helps kind of guide the eye through something like a really lush Japanese garden landscape still has that definition. Right. Where something begins and ends, if you're doing construction. You think of like your, the moldings in your house or your kitchen countertop where materials meet, it better look really pretty precise or, or it's going to look sloppy. So in the, in the interior architecture, you have a molding and you have a wall that begins and ends. There's a corner and it's sort of, once you build it, that's it. In the garden, those edges and those uh, between one, one plant and another, it's always changing. So edging, pruning, it helps keep the landscape defined. And, and there's a whole spectrum on, on how that's done. And I do think it's nice to think in terms of, of the natural landscape, because this is not, there is some strict sort of like topiary forms are not to everyone's taste, of course, and, right. but they are to, to many people. But this idea that it's not like necessarily unnatural to be doing this in the landscape, that the plants are actually responding quite positively to this decluttering of their branches or the plants around each other, that it's it's kind of mimicking what they might encounter in a natural landscape. And so it's something born of this positive sort of healthy process for them. Right. It can be done in a naturalistic way. And some, and like, I'm just looking at some of the designs we've done over the years. It's like the opposite of decluttering. So it's having enough variety. So it's interesting. And then having often a focal point, something that really stands out. And then, so to over time, I guess if you're, if you keep adding to the garden, if you keep adding different varieties, that may be fun. People have collectors' gardens where they collect their favorite plant. So over time, things like your wardrobe, there can be things, well, boy, I should really retire that old, you know, that old sweater. <laughs> and it's the same in the garden. So decluttering, maybe simplifying and sort of letting things go like that plant really is struggling under the shade of that tree as a tree matures. And so just letting it go. So what though, if your style is kind of the, the effusive English cottage garden, how, how do you achieve that look? in a way that is not just a mess. I mean, the ones that do it really successfully, I think there must be like a, there's a theme, there's a process there. Oh, right. There sure is. Well, like a historic garden would be Great Dixter in England. That is just a multitude of uh, many plants, textures. It's like a cacophony, you know, just imagine, wow, like a lot going on. And so that it's achievable. It would be like an orchestra. As a, I mean, a jazz band might be like a very simple, there's just a few elements 
like what you're talking about is really more like an orchestra. And so to achieve that, it's more or less defining, articulating, fine-tuning all the different instruments. And so that might, one plant like the iris, let's say, that gets very dense, it stops flowering, that might need to be divided to keep flowering. That might want to take over (laughs) and grow into the gravel path. And then there might be plants that are competition-averse. And those might need to make room for those cutbacks some of the ornamental grasses and make room for those. So it's sort of checking in with each plant, like to make sure that it has what it needs. And then I, I don't have a picture of that garden. Are there places where there's maybe a bench or an archway, a, a place where there's a break for the eye? Or how does that, can oh, you correct. introduce that into spaces where maybe your style is a lot more abundant? But how do you give that sort of pause from that cacophony? Oh, right. Very good point. Well, if it's an orchestra, it's a beautiful cacophony. (laughs) Well, there's a ground plane. So having a mown path, you see that in some of these effusive English gardens where it's a very long mixed perennial or mixed shrub border, but the ground plane is, let's say it's stone or it's it's lawn. It's very simple, and it's a rest for the eye. On the vertical, the backdrop could be a, a unified material. It could be a wall, a fence, a hedge. So there's, it offers contrast, and then it, it adds to the legibility. So there's lots of interest, and then there's, it would be like between meals, there's like a palate cleanser. You know, let's take a, let's pause. <laughs> So as a landscape designer, you're often called in to assist people with this process. It's not always easy to evaluate whether, so as an individual, it may not be simple as as looking at a tree or a shrub and saying, yes, this one goes, this one stays. This one needs some special pruning and it'll look fantastic. This one could be picked up and moved over here. So those Mm -hmm. are kind of the, the methods we might have for decluttering. What's the process like when you're going to a property and assisting somebody with making this determination? Okay, good point. You know, I just did that recently. I went to a property. I think it was constructed in the 80s. So so the trees are mature. The ground covers. Everything's mature, pretty much. (laughs) So let's see, assessing. So in this, I can sort of walk you through this particular property in my mind's eye. I think there'll be some, some good examples. So there were plants. There were banana plants, banana trees that were that that the client said were they looked messy, overgrown. It was a, near a pool area. So when at their best, they looked very tropical and great. But for a lot of the year, it looked sort of tattered and messy. So we're not going to change that banana tree. Those are always going to look like that. And so that's sort of just accepting, okay, if we don't want it to look messy, that comes out. So maybe that is um, a process that homeowners or garden garden lovers can can do for themselves because I think that's hard. It might be a very nice plant for half the year. And if for half the year it drives you nuts for whatever reason, or if the birds come in and they seem to love it, but it really like then they create a mess on the on the cars in the driveway, like it may be okay to part with it. Correct. It's really right. hard to say because we, we really value, you know, mature trees, mature plants, a lot of time and energy goes into getting them into a certain state of growth. But 
you know, at the end of the day, it is your yard. It has to be usable by you throughout the year, as we've sort of observed in terms of program. And so, as you said, with the wardrobe, like the same is true to hold on to a pair of pants, but you you never wear them, not because they don't fit anymore, but because you just <laughs> don't like them, which I have done. I've right. had a bunch of things, but like, not, right. I it's just like that don't salmon. want to wear these. <laughs> like, it's just not, it looked good in the store. It just uh-huh. doesn't look good. And then <laughs> there's like this buyer's remorse or this feeling that you should hang on to it. And right. so, you know, I'm as those decluttering podcasts and programs kind of discuss it is an emotional letting go um, mm-hmm. and not in a negative way. And you're just sort of releasing your attachment to something you, you feel guilty for letting go. Like it's okay. Right. It's okay. Yeah. That there's things, things are born, things live, things die. There's yeah. like a time span. So on this particular property, there were a vertical palm trees. Like there were windmill palms that were fantastic. Those were performing. They offered separation, screening. So those were great. And then there was an area between these palm trees that were working and the garage. There was nothing there. It was little some lawn, some weeds. And there were sago palms, which is like a lower evergreen, like very squat, dark green, evergreen palm. And those were looking great too. So what is working, extend that. The palms could be added to, moving toward the garage, maybe two more palm trees. And the sago palms that looked fantastic, maybe those were added to, maybe you know, three more of those. And so while we're talking addition, we're talking addition in terms of this continuity. Correct. Which doesn't right. necessarily create as much of a, a sense of clutter. So if it's just that you need, there is, there is the potential for things to be, like we have some, we moved into a much bigger house just, just by virtue of being in a different housing market. So it's like, correct. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, our finances didn't change all that much, but the, our money went just that much further in terms of square footage. So all of a sudden we had more space to fill mm-hmm. and not having kind of enough in a space. I know it's a luxury to be able to buy new furniture and be able to fill things up. But this idea that something can not have quite enough in it to feel complete. Right. So, you know, we're talking about decluttering, but again, the landscape may benefit from this process as well. Right. So adding continuity. So it was sort of the first level is like, what's not working? The checklist, remove that and say a little prayer, like whatever action you want to take. Thank you universe for this beautiful plant. We're going to, maybe your neighbor would enjoy that or a relative or, you know, or the compost pile. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we have accepted transplants before. So it didn't work in someone's yard, but we're happy to take right. it on. Or I've done that on jobs where taking out, you know, large volumes of plants and use it in another property. Mm. And that, that can work great. We're giving it, giving it away. We're putting the call out, taking out what doesn't work, adding to if there's areas that need filling in, adding elements that do work, that, that have a proven track record, like this Japanese boxwood. And now I'm back in the front of this property. There were Japanese boxwood. They were doing great. It was quite shady north side of the house under larger shrubs and trees. So that's working. So add to that. Ground covers can, weeds can come up through them. So ground covers, they can spread into areas that you don't want and they might not be full in in other areas. Maybe there's root competition. So to simplify, if the ground cover is not working, that can be removed. 
And so just like a mulched area or mulch could be a decorative gravel or there's many different or a pine bark or or if in other cases the the ground cover could be edged and and redefined so that's again there's a stopping at a start place that's pleasing to the eye shrubs become overgrown on pathways and so they can be cut back and thinned there's but then there's a tipping point where it just really cannot be cut back and still be an asset and so let's say there's there's three shrubs that lead up to the edge of the path maybe that shrub that's the closest to the path maybe that just needs to come out then the, the shrubs that remain those can be given time to fill in so again it's sort of it's knowing when to surrender it's that shrub is never going to fit have it come out so these are all good themes about you know if it's plant that just is kind of not working for you it's it's okay to let it go you may actually be encouraging as you said the other two shrubs may be happier and healthier for having mm-hmm. that additional space to grow in landscape still has to be it still has to work you're not right. just a home for plants to go wild and do what they need to do right and so aside from just the plants i don't know why i keep thinking of like a potting shed that has a bunch of stuff on it that you might declutter like that like accumulates there's area behind the garage there's like old fence posts or there's a project that you were given oh the green a partial greenhouse that was never assembled or i mean even the garage itself and and again i i really believe it's as, as we've been discussing back and forth and it's not unique to us in this conception of the show but it's kind of the principle of decluttering is you know, are the tools still working? Mm-hmm. Um, you, as a as a an expert pruner, are always evaluating kind of the state of our tools. We did a whole inventory of them, and anything that was broken or needed to be taken for repair, there's like a time and a place to do that. It's not that things are you know everybody's short on time these days, but the winter when we're not out there planting and pruning and mm-hmm. and whatnot might be a good time to go through and evaluate the the garage space or the the potting bench or whatever it is. Yeah, well, a good a good word is inventory. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I guess we're getting at that, but just come out and say, make a list of things you like, you don't like, and then define simple solutions. If there's an area that's really weedy, like this property I just visited, there were rose bushes that were coming up. So the rose bushes. A shrub, a larger shrub rose is going to have lots of weeds underneath it often in this. In it's the hard su- to get in there and take those weeds out, I right. imagine, if it's a rose bush. <laughs> so if it's some of the rose bushes get quite open and leggy. So there's mm. beautiful flowers like waist type, but there's weeds at, at the ground level. So in some cases, maybe that's not the right spot for that rose bush. If a rose bush is allowed to get very big and dense, then you don't have that problem. But in a confined area where it needs a lot of pruning, so a ground cover like a plumbago, or there's types of a stillbe. So it's a pretty vigorous perennial that might get to 18 inches, 24 inches. That's going to outcompete the weeds. So it might not be your favorite plant, but it's it's going to look unified. It's going to be beautiful all year. It's going to be pretty trouble free. And there might be a better spot for that favorite rose bush, really where it can shine. And we've talked in previous episodes, I think in particular the garden calendar episode about how decluttering can also be allowing different plants to shine at different times of the year. Mm -hmm. The Japanese maple may lose its leaves at a certain point. 
well, I guess we'd be heading into winter. So, but you get to see the beautiful structure of the, the maple when the leaves are gone. So maybe there's a way to highlight that during that part of the year that's mm-hmm. really making the most of as we said at the top of the show, the kind of organic decluttering that nature does on her own and right. <laughs> all of that. You mentioned a principle having to do with furniture the other day when we were thinking of our own landscape furniture oh, right. we want to have in our backyard that I thought was really interesting and kind of ties into this theme. So do you want to share with us? Oh, sure. Is? Dark colors will recede. So it'll look, they'll go into the distance and a, and a bright color will, will come forward visually. So in our particular backyard, we're creating this sort of nook in the back. It's not, the yard's not that deep. So having a darker color, we talked about, well, a bright color, uh, like a teal or, so that's going to make the yard feel smaller. And it's really going to grab your attention, which could be beautiful, but is the chair the most important thing in the garden? Probably not. Now, if it was a small patio area, maybe the chair should be the the star of the show. So my suggestion was, let's say a dark blue, it's when you're sitting in, it's going to be beautiful, rich color, but it's going to recede. And so the furniture, maybe there's furniture, like you bought a set, but it doesn't, but some of it broke or it's not quite perfect. And so it doesn't match. So the furniture, it's like some of the built objects can get to be cluttered. And mm-hmm. so it's also letting those go. Or maybe observing As you said, if you thought the bright color was what you really wanted and you've gotten it into the landscape and you're just, for whatever reason you feel there's this this cluttered experience, take a look at the colors and how they're kind of working together in the landscape and and maybe, you know, honestly assessing if a different color furniture or whatever might better, I don't know. I don't want to say fill the space because we're talking about kind of the opposite, but might suit the space mm, better so that right. you feel a little more breathing room between yourself and the, and the furniture or what have you. The less, I don't know if unbiased is the right word, but someone with really basically no attachment to the garden would be, that could be a friend, a fellow gardener. It could be a landscape designer, another professional is going to come to it with fresh eyes and no attachment when there are, it occurs to me, like, let's say there's, we bought a set of three chairs. One of them is in great condition. The other two are really on their way out. They could possibly be repaired. Things can be repaired. We always encourage that. What's also fun to do, maybe that one chair that is suitable, maybe that's saved and that is put in some nook in the garden. And that's just a solitary chair. Looks great, draws your attention. And you're not trying to make something work that really doesn't, you know, these Chairs that look sort of tired and old to <laughs> mm. be retired. Yeah. Anything else to suggest about this concept of decluttering in the landscape? It's a great principle in the home, so we're suggesting you take it outside. And anything else you think would be a good quick tip? Or well, let's see. Plants that aren't working, you know, take those out. Extend plants that aren't work that are working. Mm-hmm. Visit good examples. You know, of maybe visit a favorite or friend's garden or a public garden or a college campus. And that might include small gardens. The, mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the decluttering is sometimes born of small space movements, tiny house, or again, uh, you know, if you're living in an apartment in Tokyo, your sense of clutter is going to be more pronounced because the space right. may not be as large. So visiting a friend's townhouse garden, if it's done well, or looking at a stoop that maybe has a good collection of 
container plants, but it, they're, it's not too much somehow. Right. I think of small gardens that I've designed and created. Some of the key elements have to really count. Like if there's a hydrangea tree or a stewardia tree, that the plants that are some of the main elements, those better be really good. And then the, the supporting cast members can't have too many of those. It's the elements that are there are very important. And so really making the, all the elements count and being honest too. It's like, well, I, I really don't need that. I really, I like it, but it's, it's not the right place for it. When you see townhouse gardens, small gardens, there's often a vertical element. Maybe that's a tree or a large shrub. If it's a small area, maybe there's a fence or a backdrop of some kind. And then there's a low, a low filler plant. And that's it. You know, it's quite simple. Even for very large, like royal scale or estate scale, it's still pretty simplified. Maybe there's a long hedge that draws your eye. So it's sort of the medium-sized gardens. If I keep adding to it, there's inflow, but no outflow. And sort of just being conscious and having a professional help you with that. That's often, because they can often, I can highlight something. Oh, you know, this is, this really is an asset. Just with, with some pruning, this could really shine. These other plants that are causing a problem, we can just let those go. Great. So we have uh, some exciting travel and talks coming up. You're giving mm-hmm. a talk in Manhattan at Rosoli Books for the Institute of Classical Art and Architecture. It's That's really right. Great. That's going to be on the garden that you visited just outside of New Orleans, you know, the big city, mm-hmm. uh, Longview. Right, correct. Um, and so we will go ahead and do an episode that will actually be released the same day that you're giving the talk. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of like your talk, but right. <laughs> for those folks who can't get down to, to uh, Broadway and Manhattan, they'll have a chance to hear about that. And then the next month, you're getting ready to do a talk for the American Boxwood Society's Symposium, which is a weekend for boxwood enthusiasts around the country to mm-hmm. get together and talk That's about that amazing in, plant. Uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. So we're going to try to pre-record some episodes as you're out and about, but we were excited to get in the studio today and, and record this week's episode. We're always open for ideas about upcoming episodes, questions that can be a part of a a listener question episode. We love to hear from our our listeners all over the world. Welcome you to a new, less cluttered 2020. (laughs) Even the shape of the year seems open and less cluttered. So that's right. Make the most of it and embrace it. And then it's what comes to mind. It's personal too. Yeah. So one person garden you know, might be a little too busy for somebody else. So it, it really is personal. If it, the garden feels good to you, that's really what's important. And that it, 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 it would really vary from person to person. Yeah. So we will be back in studio. We hope you get out in the landscape sometime soon to enjoy. And uh, we'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.